Our gospel reading this morning is from the book of Matthew, chapter 5, verses 21 through 37. You have heard that it was said to those of ancient times, you shall not murder, and whoever murders shall be liable to judgment. But I say to you that if you are angry with a brother or sister, you will be liable to judgment. And if you insult a brother or sister, you will be liable to the council. And if you say, you fool, you will be liable to the hell of fire. So when you are offering your gift at the altar, if you are remembering that your brother or sister has something against you, Leave your gift there before the altar and go. First, be reconciled to your brother or sister, and then come and offer your gift. Come to terms quickly with your accuser while you are on the way to court with him, or your accuser may hand you over to the judge and the judge to the guard, and you will be thrown into prison. Truly, I tell you, you will never get out until you have paid the last penny. You have heard it said, you shall not commit adultery. But I say to you that everyone who looks at a woman with lust has already committed adultery with her in their heart. If your right eye causes you to sin, tear it out and throw it away, for it is better for you to lose one of your members than for your whole body to be thrown into hell. And if your right hand causes you to sin, cut it off and throw it away, for it is better for you to lose one of your members than for your whole body to go into hell. It has also been said, Whoever divorces his wife, let him give her a certificate of divorce. But I say to you that anyone who divorces his wife, except on the grounds of unchastity, causes her to commit adultery, and whoever marries a divorced woman also commits adultery. Again, you have heard it said that to those of ancient times, you shall not swear falsely, but carry out the vows you have made to the Lord. But I say to you, do not swear at all, either by heaven, for it is the throne of God, or by the earth, for it is his footstool, or by Jerusalem, for it is the city of the great king. And do not swear by your head, for you cannot make one hair white or black. Let your word be yes, yes, or no, no. Anything more than this comes from the evil one. The word of the Lord. Angela sat down after reading the gospel reading this morning, and she said, Oof, that's a harsh one, which is kind of what I thought when I first read it this week as well. I uh, thought, oh, I better use the pulpit today. It's a harsh one. It is uh, a reading today from the Sermon on the Mount, which uh, you may have noticed we have been reading from the Sermon on the Mount for the last several weeks. Last week, remember, we talked about salt and light. That is from the Sermon on the Mount. Sermon on the Mount begins with the Beatitudes, blessed are the pure in heart, all of the, the Beatitudes. And then we get to this part, which is a commentary on the law. And it's, um, it is a little harsher, and it in fact has gotten the church into a lot of trouble over the years. So I thought, well, we better unpack this and see if we can uh, get to the bottom of understanding a little bit more what Jesus was about here in this part of the Sermon on the Mount. This is a, a commentary on the Ten Commandments. I don't know if you noticed that as Angela was reading this, but Jesus is commenting on the Ten Commandments as a good rabbi. He is, 
he is reading from the scripture and then he is offering his own commentary on that. This particular section uh, of the gospel, the, the biblical commentators call the antitheses. It's a good word, right? I want you all to be smarter when you leave here today. So these are the antithesis statements. These are where Jesus says, you have heard it said, but I say to you. And he's commenting on both the law, the Ten Commandments, but he's also commenting on something much deeper. He's commenting on legalism and legalistic ways of thinking about the laws that actually... uh, diminish what the law is about. You remember that uh, Jesus was, of course, Jewish. All of his followers are Jewish, and so they are people who are bound by the law of Torah, which is, of course, not just the Ten Commandments, but the other 600-plus commandments that go with it, laws that, that govern everything from what you eat to where you sleep to marriages to all relationships within the covenant of Israel. Anytime we start talking about the law, there can be a tendency to think that the law is about the law, that the law is about the letter of the law. It's about getting every I dotted and every T crossed, and that is true in contractual law. But in covenantal law, that is the law that bound the people of Israel together, it's about more than just dotting I's and crossing T's, it's about relationships. It's about how the community lives with one another. You remember what is the most important law? To love the Lord your God with all of your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. And it is by that law that all other laws are interpreted. And what was happening in Jesus' day is that the law had just become legalistic. It had become just a matter of legalism. And so if you didn't eat correctly, if you didn't, uh, you know, if you watered your, your cattle on the Sabbath, if you did anything that was slightly off, it became a matter of, um, uh, you know, punishment for things that were fairly minor and insignificant, and thus the law becomes more important than the relationship. And so Jesus begins this whole commentary correcting the legalism of his day. We can also in our society point to where legalism, where the law begins to take more precedence than what is humane and what is just. Jesus begins the law, this this teaching on the law and relationships, putting relationships first. This is such important teachings for Christians because Christians, like any religious group, are such easy targets for an accusation of hypocrisy. That is putting, uh, having lots of nice religious language and saying that we keep all of this stuff and yet our hearts are in a different place. Jesus is using these teachings to check our hearts against the law. Is our heart in the right place? Is our heart in love, in love with God and in love with our neighbor? If it's not about love, then we're doing it wrong. And so he begins, You have heard it said to those in ancient time, you shall not murder. 
And whoever murders shall be liable to judgment. But I say to you, if you are even angry with your brother or your sister, you are liable to judgment. And if you insult your brother or sister, you are liable to the council. Jesus is intensifying the law here. This is, if you're keeping track, the fifth commandment. Okay? This is thou shalt not murder. But he's coming up with saying it's not just simply about murder. It's about what's going on in your heart. Are you wishing harm to your neighbor? Are you living with resentment? If that's the case, don't even pretend to be religion, religious. Don't come to the church and place your gift on the altar and act all holy. Go and be reconciled to your brother or your sister. If there's somebody in the church, if there's somebody in, in your home or your community that you are harboring a resentment toward, get that figured out. Get that, work on that relationship. Again, it's all about relationships. It's about how we love God and love neighbor. And so religious dedication, religious legalism, religious even generosity doesn't, doesn't compare to the true checking of our hearts. It's not enough simply to not murder. It's not enough simply to not hate. We must treat one another with respect. And that respect happens not just in the words of our mouth that we say to that person, to their face, but to the things that we say when they're not there. So Jesus takes this thing from murder all the way down to the fine details of the relationship. How are we relating to one another? He says that is a religious obligation too. It is our religious obligation to be reconciled to one another. And then he moves on to the sixth commandment, thou shall not commit adultery. And again, he intensifies it. He says it's not just about adultery. It's about any sort of lust in your heart. I always, you know, when we talk about biblical marriage, and some people espouse a lot about biblical marriage, and we'll talk a little bit about more of that when we get to divorce, but if we were talking about biblical marriage, there would be an awful lot of people in our community who would be walking around with eyes gouged out and hands cut off just by by noticing that a woman or a man of the opposite sex were attractive. Jesus says if we even lust in our hearts, we have committed adultery. Now that is harsh, right? And yet what he's saying is that, again, it's a matter of our hearts. Are we objectifying people? Are we treating them in any way that says that they are less than a child of God? Or would we use them for our own benefits? Jesus says it's not enough to to just avoid adultery. It's about how we treat one another in relationships. Do we honor men and women in all of our relationships? Do we treat them with respect and the kindness that they are due. And then he gets into divorce. And this is a whole bigger matter, and I I need to, to pause here to explain that in the biblical, if we want to talk biblical marriage, in biblical marriage, one was married in the, in the, in the Hebrew tradition, Usually it was a, a financial transaction and a legal transaction between a father 
and a husband. Perhaps there were some goats exchanged or other animals, and the woman became, went from being the property of her father to being the property of her husband. And in this relationship contract, a man, the husband in this case, could initiate a divorce simply by telling the rabbi, I'd like a divorce, a certificate of divorce from my wife. And that was all that needed to happen. And he could do this for any number of reasons, any number of reasons. But when a woman is cast out then from a marriage, she has no right to property, no right to her children, no right to anything. And so the woman in this case is entirely vulnerable, as are the children of the marriage. And so when Jesus says, thou shalt not divorce, he was correcting a situation where people were, were men were just casting aside women, their wives, when they moved on to the next thing. So he says, unless there is a case of adultery, there is no reason for this. Again, Jesus is trying to protect the most vulnerable. He's trying to protect the women and the children. So this does not compare to modern marriages of of. I don't know that anybody here entered into a marriage that involved the exchange of goats or property. This is not this kind of a marriage. It's not enough to follow the letter of the law when it comes to divorce. Rather, we must treat one another with respect. We must take care of the vulnerable. I have heard plenty of sermons where this is used to shame anybody in the congregation who has gone through a divorce, or it's used to shame women who have been abused in marriages and physically, sexually, or emotionally assaulted. That is not, not, not what this passage is about. This is Jesus correcting a Deuteronomic understanding of marriage where a woman could just be simply written off with a piece of paper and tossed to the street. This is not a modern understanding of marriage, but I think what Jesus is doing in intensifying this law and this teaching is he is protecting again the relationship, that this is a relationship that's entered into, and we don't get to just toss aside people and marriages and children. And then he gets into this matter of oaths. This could be commandment number eight or... Uh, commandment number two. He says it's not enough to just not say things that are false, to swear falsely, or to lie to another person, but that we must speak truth in our hearts and have such integrity in our lives that we are without question, that we don't even need to swear on a stack of Bibles because our hearts are pure. Blessed are the pure in heart. Our heart is, is honest and full of integrity. These teachings, these first four antitheses, are about sort of calling us back to relationship with one another, putting relationship with one another, putting relationship with God above all else. And this requires checking our own hearts not about what other people do. It's not about noticing other people's sin. It's about how do we value our our most important relationships. 
What do we do with our anger? What do we do with our lust? And remember, lust is not just about sexual attraction. Lust can be anything that uh, dehumanizes another person. What do we do with our anger? What do we do with our lust? What do we do with our, our passions when they would stir us to be less than truthful? When they would cause us to speak falsely about our neighbor or even to gossip? These are things that don't lift up the body of Christ. They don't honor the covenant that we share with one another or the covenant that we make in the world. And as Christians, we make covenants with one another, but also with how we live out in the world. That these become matters of our integrity and our honesty. And so we, we move ourselves away from those accusations of hypocrisy. We're all going to slip, but that we, we center ourselves so in our, in our hearts letting our hearts be pure in how we relate to one another, that, that we can live peacefully in community with one another. As we uh, go into this week, I want to invite you to, uh, to do this thing of checking your heart, to be mindful this week, mindful of when you feel angry with someone and what you do with that anger. Do you seek reconciliation? Do you harbor it in your heart? Do you speak falsely or unkindly about a neighbor? Or do you bring your concerns directly to them? Do you honor the relationships that you hold most dear? I'm hoping nobody in this room is working through an adulterous situation, but how do we honor the integrity of our other relationships and our marriage relationships and such that our hearts are pure? These are hard teachings today. These are not the, the fluffy parts of the Sermon on the Mount that just make us uh, feel warm and fuzzy inside, but they are the parts of the Sermon on the Mount that really require us to check ourselves to check our relationships, to check our hearts. And so I invite you this week to be thoughtful, to be prayerful, and to be aware of your own heart. Let us pray. God, there are times when Jesus' words speak to us of joy and healing, of life abundant, and of grace and peace. And there are other times when Jesus' words hit home, remind us of the ways that we have broken covenant with one another, the ways that we have harbored anger, resentment, or even lust in our hearts. God, open our hearts to your love today. Open us to hearing these words, not as condemnation, but as a call to love and purity. Help us, God, to look within so that all that is shown on the outside of our lives would match what goes on on the inside of our hearts. For we ask it in Christ's name. Amen.